Hello, I'm AT and welcome to the Bulldog Gear podcast. Here we will endeavour to identify, unpack and discuss the actions, habits and ethos of fiercely successful human beings in an attempt to create clear, actionable philosophies for our guests to experiment with and implement on their own journey of self-improvement. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Roddy Davis. Roddy is the Chief Programmer for the Hybrid Athletic Strongman WOD website, as well as a member of CrossFit seminar staff for the former CrossFit Strongman certification. Roddy is also a prolific creator of workouts, and if you haven't heard of Roddy already, chances are you've seen a few of your pals thrown down with one of Roddy's workouts. We talk all things CrossFit, Strongman, garage gym training, and why ultimately indulging your curiosity in training may be the number one key to longevity in this game. Let's get straight into it. Roddy, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Yourself? Not too bad, thank you very much. Thank you massively for uh, coming on today. As I've said about five or six times to you, I've been really looking forward to, particularly to this conversation. Um, obviously, I've given the guys a brief overview of yourself, but uh, just to set the stage a little bit, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into this scene? Yeah, so oh, um, I've been training now for it's got to be twenty plus years. Um, started off with the kind of the traditional bodybuilding style workouts, full body splits in the gym. Then kind of progressed into kind of CrossFit scene really. Um, then kind of jumped on with the CrossFit Strongman seminar staff. Managed to travel around Europe, delivering CrossFit Strongman seminars. Then kind of just moved away then from the kind of the global gym area and developed my own kind of garage gym. Um, being oh, a garage gymmer for gonna be 11, 12 years now. Um, started off with some small pieces of equipment first, then just slowly grew and grew in over a period of time till now where I've got a pretty well stocked garage gym, which served me well. Uh, um, when you kind of discovered CrossFit initially, what kind of guys was that under? Was that a local box or is it, had you kind of discovered CrossFit online? It, it kind of, I was, I was a rugby player. When I say what well, I played rugby for a good few years and what I did, I tore my cruciate ligament and I was out of the game for 13 months. So as a result, I was looking for a period where I could do some rehab and I kind of stumbled across, well, before CrossFit really was um, Seal Fit, a Mark Vine, yep. um, uh, Rob Shaw, a mountain athlete. And they kind of drew me into that arena because it was brand new to me. The, we're talking a period, maybe 2009-ish, that period, that time. And the guys from Seal Fit and Mountain Athlete at that time were just doing some crazy stuff. There's videos going back where a guy doing seal fit and he was doing 3,000 burpees for time. There's Rob Shaw. He was doing stuff like, um, he introduced me to the movement called Curtis P, which were, and they, they'd done it for 100 reps of time. And I was coming from a background. I was coming from an environment where it was bench press, chest and shoulders, <laughs> back and biceps. And, and I was just like, what is the, all this nonsense? What, 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 you know. So then I try it, get my ass kicked. Then 
slowly then moved into kind of developing that further into CrossFit then. And it was just that area, it's just as rehab. And then what I found was that my CrossFit training was more tougher than my rugby training at the time. So then I slowly moved away from rugby and kind of went, I want to just do CrossFit now, or that's area strength training. Were you still playing rugby at the time? Once you'd kind of, uh, once you were match fit again, was there a, a sort of crossover period where you were you were doing the uh, the uh, seal fit and mountain fit, the CrossFit stuff, but you were playing rugby as well? Yeah, it was. But I, I come back, I come back stronger, I come back fitter, but I come back lighter. So I was possibly around the time I tore my cruciate ligament, I was around about fourteen stone. Um, but I come back after 13 months off, even though I was stronger, even though I was fitter, I was probably dropped about 12 and a half stone. So they did have a bit of a, a negative impact, losing a bit of a body weight coming back. So I played for another year, um, but my, just, my general interest in rugby then just petered out really. Um, I felt that training on a Tuesday and Thursday was wasting my time, whereas I could have been on the rower, power cleaning in the garage and I felt it's time for me just I was, I'd been playing for 12 years at that time so it was just a kind of I think I was around about 32 when I finished and I just then okay that's enough now I'm just gonna move on to this next area of my life then yeah that's that's quite it's quite interesting isn't it because you were we use the word training though and I remember when I first when I first started out in 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 fitness i'd never really heard the word training i'd only ever heard it applied to like you know you're training for football you're training for basketball and to hear people talking about training i would it really caught me off guard the first few times i was only like 16 but to hear people say training and i think training for what and it's really interesting now that that term is like a catch-all for exercise yeah 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 yeah. yeah, and i think particularly with crossfit and functional fitness by and large there is sometimes the question of like what are you training for and i know people like to kind of throw around this idea of um you know i'm training to be ready for anything but that kind of doesn't really work does it because you 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 can't go and run an ultra marathon having you know i know that you can be specific with your training in crossfit and increase modalities and, and you know sort of emphasis in certain areas but training for everything doesn't really work i find it really interesting that you'd were training for rugby and then your love for training for training's sake kind of overtook that exactly. to the point where, you, you know, you said yourself, you felt like you were wasting your time doing the rugby. And I think that kind of says a lot for training as a, as a pursuit, as something to love and just something to enjoy. Like perhaps a lot of us do look at the sports we do, et cetera, and think that's what we need to be doing. And we're training for that when in actual fact, we're just enjoying moving our bodies. Yeah. And I think... A lot of people do get confused with their training. Ultimately, what are they training for? Mm. If they write that down, what are they training for? I think they will get to that true goal because I think majority of people say, yeah, I want to be ready for this, this, and this. But you possibly find that 90% of the people just want to look good. I would say even higher than 90%. (laughs) I really would. They just want to look good. Yeah. Um, And I think if especially lately in the last five, 10 years, I think people's training regime programming 
has become so over complex. Yeah. You've got people training in the morning, lunch times, evenings, and then splitting. And it's just, I just, I get frustrated but baffled by it when I see it on social media. I've got to kind of bite my lip a little bit. Um, these people are, when I find, sacrificing a lot of time, time with their families, time where they could be doing something more productive. And they've got, you know, they're hoping to get stuff like to the games and they've got a zero chance of getting to the games. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, no, let's strip this right back. Get realistic, put your goals down and just work to those goals. Yeah, like it's almost become come full circle to what you were saying anecdotally before but you were you were training tuesday and thursday night and then probably playing games or whatever on the weekend playing rugby and then at a certain point you just thought why am i playing rugby and it's it's a similar it's a similar thing i'm all for people doing whatever makes them happy but actually this brings us quite nicely i suppose to um your sort of overarching philosophy and approach which i would say for now let's take strongman out of the equation because I, I want to I discuss that by itself and I'm super excited to do that. But I would say if I could line up all of your, your workouts and you're a prolific workout creator, I'd say in, in our circle of kind of social media friends, you are one of the probably most highly shared, um, you know, people in terms of people I see working their way through your, through your wads and of course on, uh, you know, CrossFit Strongman. I would say one thing I could pick out is that they're always very time efficient. Is this important to you? Massively. It, um, I made a conscious effort when I've got nine you know, twins um, and possibly nine and a half years ago, I made a decision that obviously time is going to be a massive constraint for me um, because the family is going to take a priority, works and take priority, fitness and training is third on the list. Um, so they, the top two take priority, they come first, uh, whatever spare time I got off the back of that, I can train. Um, so it's kind of grown organically in the last nine years, um, where previously I've had this, we've kind of had this, you would do your lifting first, then your conditioning piece after traditional CrossFit Mm. and there was a point where I, I, I won't have time to lift and do the conditioning piece. I need to merge these into together. Um, so I kind of came up with a concept of this kind of this heavy Metcon conditioning where I'm going to lift heavy and do a conditioning piece together. So for example, um, yoke carries and assault bike, um, bench press and I don't know, rowing. So I'm going to try and cover as many bases in the time strip that I can of using heavy lifting and moving a bike, running, or kind of covering that engine-based stuff. So it's kind of a work on a philosophy of lift heavy, uh, move heavy, and breathe heavy. So that's the kind of three areas that I try and focus on when I'm programming for myself because mainly on the time strip. Yeah, and you're you're ticking so many boxes there, and I, like you say, I I think it is the traditional kind of CrossFit model to go strength, maybe some accessory, and then your your conditioning, your your metcon piece, and one maybe downside I do see of that is a like yourself time constraints. There's time when I I want to focus on that model of programming, and by the time you've 
done a, a work to heavy or you've done a five by five or a five three one, whatever sort of progression your model you're doing on your on your big lifts, you, you've run out of time. If you if you are a person who's kind of pushed for time or time poor, that can be all your training. And yes. if that's great, if that's your only goal, then that's absolutely fantastic. If you just want to get really, sh- I did it earlier on in lockdown. I just wanted to get really good at doing heavy high rep deadlifts, and it was pretty yeah. much all I did. Yeah. And if that that's fine, but like you say, when you know, if you want to look at what your goals really are, is that truly what you're chasing? And I think a lot of people convince themselves that they need to follow this model because, which is odd, because then they might look at say that the the sort of lift carry breathe uh model you've laid out there and feel like your knee-jerk reaction might be that doing all of that doing it in the form of a metcon is going to compromise say the weight you can lift on your compound lift but eventually that is going to come up right yeah 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 so you find that for example that you may you're you're doing 10 rm deadlifts if you're constantly doing 10 RM deadlifts at a decent weight, then your one RM is going to come up. Mm. Simple. You're accumulating reps the dead, on the deadlift. You're um, strengthening your posterior chain. You're working through. So when you do a 10 RM deadlift constantly in a workout, then your one RM is going to come up. I generally go, I don't really lift on percent, percentages, but in a kind of heavy metcon way, then it's 80 85, 90% of the one RM that I'm using in these heavy metcons, depending on our weight will determine the rep scheme that I use. Um, and I kind of want to complement the kind of conditioning element with that lift as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, and you're still going to see progress in that over time, right? And your, your, your fitness, your ability to perform that task is going to, increase the same as it does in in any level of fitness and to kind of come at it the other way it's interesting that people will forego doing it that way because they're thinking oh you know my deadlift's not going to grow because i'm doing it as part of the metcon but they will then rx weights so if you're only ever pressing 22 and a half kilo dumbbells you know you're never getting stronger in your metcon right because the rx has um it's put a limit i know people yeah. rx plus etc but it's odd to me that you would come at it from the, the angle of saying, Oh yeah, I need to do my strength work separately to make sure I'm getting stronger, but then go into a Metcon and just use the same weights every single time. Yeah. So taking this a little bit of a step back, it was funny enough. I've ordered two previously two kettlebells from the same company and they've all given me the wrong weights every time I've ordered them. So, <laughs> so every time I ordered, I wanted a long time ago, I wanted to order a 32 K kettlebell they set me a 36k kettlebell. Um, so as a result, in the early CrossFit days, you were always using a 32k kettlebell. But I was using a 36k kettlebell. So when I was doing the workouts in the CrossFit, I was using a 36. Everyone else was using a 32. I was sl- slightly slower in times because of the extra weight. But then when I went to a CrossFit gym and used a 32k kettlebell, it was just like lights a feather. Whereas, yeah. And I was killing them. So kind of by accident, by this company sending me the wrong weight, they made me stronger because I had to use that weight. Yeah, it's very similar, I guess, to um, odd objects, uh, stones and sandbags and things like that. You're, you, know, you don't have a rack 
full of a different selection weight of stones or sandbags so you're you're working with 65 or 85 whatever you've got right and that yeah. is heavier there's no rx weight and yeah. it, you know there's, there's a certain point at which surely if you've worked up to a, a 240 kilo deadlift say what are you really getting out of swinging a 24 kilo kettlebell but you'll do that in your mcon i know yeah so I'm currently using stuff in, in a kind of the heavy Metcon. I'll swing a, a Russian swing a 70 kilo kettlebell. Just say um, that again so everyone can hear. <laughs> Just 70. Seven, 70, 70. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll put that in a Metcon because, but I won't use an American swing for that and I'll lower the reps for it, mm. but I can get in a good stimulus of using a heavy kettlebell in my kind of heavy Metcon, but I'll lower the reps down. I'm not burning out. And I can just carry on with my conditioning. It's almost, it's gotten to the point where the heavy lifting is the easy part of the workout now. And right. the conditioning piece is the harder part. It's almost like I use the heavy lifting as the recovery bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Where you're not, you can get your breath back, you can get yeah. ready for the net. Yeah. Do you think? And uh, I know you touch on this in the in the what was formerly the CrossFit Strongman seminar, but there's a difference between CrossFit as a training modality and CrossFit as a sport. Do you think where so many people are maybe in the camp of training in a way, you know, like, like you say, like they're going to go to the games, like they're going to go to regionals, they're training for CrossFit as a sport. And therefore you, you lose a little bit of that, that progression, that constant progression that comes from even like, you know, even old school bro bodybuilding style, you're always trying to, go heavier and everything you're always trying to use the heavier dumbbells to you know to chest press or you're trying to strap more weight on to do dips do you think people get caught up in crossfit for sport and then they kind of limit themselves to those 22.5 kg dumbbells then 24 kg kettlebells and just try and go faster and faster or you know whatever it may be more density do you think if people took a step back and addressed well what are my actual goals do i want to be really good at crossfit or do I, you know, do I have more specific goals within in this realm? Do you think a lot of people would veer more towards trying heavier stuff? Yeah, I think training for the games, you need to be doing certain things which are game specific. Um, stuff like I don't know things that annoy me, like keeping handstand push-ups, or all those kind of stuff. And you are, you do. You need to be very good at all your lifting. You need to use specific weights for dumbbells, like you said. You know, they use devil press is and they use 22 and a half kilos all, all the time. They never, they never kind of, you need to train specifically for those movements that are going to come up. You'll see sometimes when they put a yoke in or whatever, then sometimes those people in the games, they struggle with those movements because they don't use those in a, in a day. But People need to, I think, realize, take a step back and say, look, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get to the games. You're simple. Simply, you're not going to get to the game. So take a step back. Don't train like a games athlete. But again, like I say, going back to the goals, what do you want to achieve? Do you want to lift, get stronger? Because in my opinion, no one's ever said that they, they're strong enough. You know, it's not that a statement. You're never strong enough. So 
do you want to get strong and do you want to get have a decent engine so you can play with your kids as you're older? Um, it's just just understanding the real goals and what what's making you drive to do the training that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because of the, the the whole fanfare that comes along with uh, with oh. CrossFit, and I get I get kind of so, uh, intermittently, I'll get sucked into this as well. You can end up not seeing the woods for the trees, and you can end up kind of detaching from what your original goal was. And like you say, ninety percent of people they just want to look good. And what initially drew them to CrossFit perhaps was seeing pictures of Rich Phoning at the games. Yeah. And the, the, the funny thing is a lot of these guys, I always say to people, if you want to look like someone don't train how they train now, train how they trained, you know, yeah, 10, exactly. 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of these guys have got like a, just a classic bodybuilding base. Not to yeah. mention, not to mention the fact that because of the funnel of the open regionals games, you're looking at guys with top tier kind of genetics as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think people just need to be honest with themselves, don't they? And say, look, I, I want to look better. So I need, to, what do I want to incorporate in my training that's going to help me do that? Something I really want to touch on is is strongman. Very, very important to me, as I know it is to you. You incorporate a ton of strongman movements and strongman modalities into your training. What is it about um, the sport of strongman, the, the training style of strongman that you find so useful? Like you say, your time is your number one priority. Mm. Um, what is it that you, then, you know, it would be very easy then just to grab a set of dumbbells or grab a kettlebell and make the most of it. What is it about strongman that makes you, um, you know, kind of so certain that it's worth spending the time on those movements. Yeah, so going back to kind of this starting strong uh, CrossFit, I'd done the level one CrossFit. I'd done the, back in the times when they had the subject matter expert courses, hmm. done the Olympic lifting, I'd done the CrossFit football, gymnastics, rowing, and the powerlifting, um, and the strongman. And there was three that really pricked my neck up. And that was the powerlifting, the cross of football, and the strongman in particular. And it was sure, it was the powerlifting one. I thought, brilliant, I can just get my basics and my three lifting nailed down. Power, the, the cross of football then was, it was the kind of the heavy power cleans, do some running, rest element to it. Then... I went to CrossFit Clitheroe um, to do the CrossFit Strongman. And at the time, Rob just started the Strongman World website. Cool. So I was getting bored with the, the, the traditional CrossFit at the time, swinging kettlebell, burpees, all that kind of stuff. And I was just like, I'm getting bored with this element of it. And then I went on the course of the Strongman, and it was just tire flipping, stones, farmers' carries, yokes, lifting a log. And it just excited me because I could lift heavy, I could carry heavy, I'd be out of breath and it was just like this is the arena that I want to be in um, and I wish I discovered it when I was playing rugby because I think the strongman element of training suits rugby players in particular, that odd object arena of giving them training environment opposed to being in a gym and bench pressing but it was just oh my god instantly i went home the next day i ordered an 80 kilo apple stone um 
couldn't lift it. Um, but yeah, it was just, wow, this is where I want to be. Yeah, I think um, immediately it's one of the most exciting ways you can you can train. Like it's, I don't I don't want to use the word novel in the you know in the sort of derogatory sense, but it is so novel versus what you'd be doing. You touched on there that you wish you discovered it back when you were playing rugby. What is it you think translates from those those strongman movements to uh, to rugby? It's I think the carry movements, the the, the yoke and the farmers carry in particular you're lifting a lot of weight down moving forward, similar to repeating the action of, I don't know, for example, you're carrying someone on your back, playing going forward in rugby, you've got sandbag and a stone, it's that odd object element of picking something up and moving it forward again. It's, it's just the unrelenting nature and the odd way you lift those elements. I think are where you can correspond to playing rugby well. You've yeah. got the kind of this short, sharp element of I'm going to lift something, stop, and it mimics rugby better than bench press or I don't know pull up. I think the for me, if I was training rugby now or was a strength and conditioning coach in rugby, those would be the elements that I would be using 60, 70 percent of the time for the guys. All right. Yeah. That's uh, and I think you've also got that element of you, you've got all the coaching cues in the world, but no two lifts are ever the same, are they? Even with the same implement, which probably is much more representative of real life. Yeah. Versus a uh, versus a barbell or a dumbbell. Yeah. So you know, a stone doesn't have the nice knurling. It's not mm. twenty mils, um, and the weights are on the back. It's just it's just a piece of rock that you got to use your forearms to grip with and push, push the shoulder. It's you're using your posterior chain. It's just launching it with power to your shoulder as much as you can. Yeah, and that's, that's looking at, at one end of the spectrum uh, at how it can give you athletic, you know, how it can help your athletic performance. But at the other end of the spectrum, what would you say is the applicability for strongman to people who are just starting out in training or, you know, um, gem pop, uh, you know, people who work in an office or even people who are completely new to training. Do you, do you think that there is an argument for a strong man as a, as a kicking off point for people's training? Oh, 100%. It's low skill. It's, you know, we, I guess someone flipping a tire within intensity was never a flip tire within five minutes. Um, you, you know, doesn't take much effort to pick a farmer's, farmer's walks off the pot of a floor carry go forward so we i can easily with intense intensity have someone who is general population flipping a tire carrying farmers in a well-scaled workout within 30 minutes yeah which when we kind of tracking back to the idea of time you've got this idea of time in your individual workouts but also the time it takes to learn skills you take a um, squat snatch, how long does it take you to yeah. learn to get proficient in that movement as opposed to flipping the tire? There's no comparison. Um, the warm-up element of a squat snatch as opposed to lifting a sandbag to your shoulder, in terms of that time constraint period, there's no comparison. Yeah, just, just a really short learning curve, but at the end of it, oh. a huge payoff. 
you yeah you take a yoke for example there's no other element in the training world where you can shift that amount of weight from a to b on your back so i can carry whatever tonnage you can carry and i can get someone carrying a decent weight within again 30 minutes with decent coaching one-to-one yeah it's very it's very interesting i think because a lot of people will look at and I think this is just something that's sort of common is sort of thick in the air. A lot of people look at strongman training and go, that looks dangerous when it in actual fact, like, a, as you say, a yoke is probably the movement that you, well, definitely the movement that you've got the propensity to put the most load for your body. Right. Yeah. And you've just got to lower yourself six inches and the weight's off your back. Yeah, exactly. There's no, in my opinion, there's no, it's a difficult way to range yourself using a yoke. You could pick the yoke up and it's going to pull you back, maybe change your back when you first pick it up. But when you're carrying it, there's nothing. I've never been injured on a yoke. Could because I put almost progressively loaded the yoke over years and years and years to, to a point where I've got a solid weight now where I'm carrying my back. Um, and it's one of those elements where if I could pick one element that I could train with for the rest of my life, a yoke would be it. Yeah. It, it, allow, you know, it allows me to carry heavy. It allows me to kind of keep my conditioning up and it allows me to do my endurance because I can just lower the weight or make their weight heavier. And it just, I know with a decent yoke weight on my back that it just keeps me generally strong for training. I think um, particularly, the way, particularly the way you program, but strongman in general <laughs> hits a really sweet spot between sort of maximal expression of strength and and endurance like when you look and look at strongman competitively 60 second sets yeah very few even you know under load even in crossfit very few athletes are training in what you are you say do a 60 second amrap of one movement Mm. it's a lot right yeah 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 yeah. and the conditioning effect of that is huge and something like um just the other day we were doing a, a carry medley farmers uh, farmers sandbag and a few tire flips and it was the gassiest thing i've done in weeks and we'd been on and off the assault bike on and off the ski erg but you can't get away from the fact that the carryover to real life excuse the pun is massive with those movements yeah to take for example that obviously your front loaded sandbag carry uh would uh, take a 50 foot back under feet and then we just moved house, so our wash machine packed in, uh, no, a tumble drive packed in. So I was front loading the washing machine out the door. And I was thinking, this is just, just basic training for me. This yeah. is what I've been doing in the garage for the last nine years. Um, and again, it's that strongman element that the real life appeals to me because it just mimics real life better than a barbell or being in the gym. Uh, and I, I also find that there's still a good amount of carryover to, you know, general CrossFit, general barbell training, right? So if you you get good at um, shouldering a hundred kilo sandbag, that will have carryover to your clean, right? But you'll see a lot of people who have huge cleans and they're absolutely humbled by a 60 kilo sandbag. Yeah. So just going back to when I finished the strongman seminar with Rob and I was at 80 kilo stone. Um, I was chatting to the guy on the way back and he said, I said, I don't know what weight to get really. And he said, well, 
there's an 80 kilo stone there. Why didn't you get that? I said, I don't know if I can lift it. He said, oh, you can power clean 80 kilos though. I said, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I can power clean 80 kilos, that means I can lift that 80 kilo stone. Oh, no way. No. No, no, no. <laughs> no way. I battled with that stone for 30 minutes before I could get that to my shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. The it's just a completely different sort of kettle of fish, isn't it? And as we said before, no move, no two movements are the same. You might think you've nailed it, and you know you, you catch the stone at the slightly wrong angle, and it's now a completely different lift. Yeah, yeah. It, it's every when you change your movement from a barbell to any other kind of implement, whether it's a kettlebell, dumbbell, sandbag, whatever. It's always harder using those implements as opposed to barbell. Yeah, you can't gauge your weight from what you would do with a, what you even even with something that seems fairly close. So, say a monster, you know, in strong, this is quite niche, but like a monster dumbbell and strongman, is not going to feel the same as a, a nice hex dumbbell. You've got yeah. a thick grip. It's huge. It's unwieldy, and a, but when you go back then to normal implements, things just feel super light. Yeah, it's going back learning lesson um where obviously you know the workout calso yep under uh, touch does for time 60 kilos and on the minute on the minute for five burpees but what stupidly i decided quite early on in my training career i'll change it up and i'll use 32k kettlebells instead of the barbell i soon quickly realized that oh my god kettlebells are way 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 harder yeah they don't behave today. I think that's that's how I describe it. Like a barbell is very well behaved. You're almost just you're asking it. You're asking it to do a thruster. You've got to yeah. put in the effort, but you're just saying, you know, this is your range of motion. A kettlebell just doesn't, and it's the same as a sandbag. Um, a kettlebell just doesn't behave like that, does it? No, no. It's um, and they're all the same. If you want to change up your training, um, get some excitement in it, you then just change your barbell to some other instrument for thirty days. I just yeah couldn't agree i said to someone just the other day um you know there's an argument for potentially taking all of say the crossfit girls or crossfit hero wads and just putting the barbell to the back for a month and work your way through them with a with a sandbag or with an atlas stone and it, it's just a completely different animal isn't it and we talk all the time in crossfit about constantly varied and then do everything on a barbell is very odd i know yeah yeah exactly you can see it slowly turning around slightly now. They're starting to use sandbags a little bit more, mm. different elements. But there was a time before that there was just perma, just permanently a barbell, um, and and that's one of the things that I got slightly bored with with traditional CrossFit, and I wanted to change it up. Then that's why I moved into strongman. Yeah, I think we probably have a really similar kind of um, background and story where eventually time constraints can do it, can't they? You you just understand that. I don't have the time to, you know, do complexes of three position cleans for yeah. 25 minutes at the beginning of my workout because 25 minutes is my workout to get good at doing these. Like I want to, for me, I'm like, okay, a power clean is entry level. Cause if you can't clean it, you can't do anything else with it. Yeah. So I want to know how to do a heavy power clean, but not to the point where I'm going to let the rest of my training fall by the wayside to spend 25 minutes drilling like three position cleans when like you say i can just pick up a sandbag and just wrestle it to my shoulder because i'm not yeah. going to the games yeah, exactly <laughs> um, 
it's like I'm not going to go in um, spend my 30 minutes free that I've got in a day and I'm going to do I'm going to work on technique for squat snatches today um, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a 20 minute arm wrap of 5 heavy deadlifts 10 ring dips yeah. I'm going to be in and out within 25 minutes of my garage gym yeah, just not, you know, return on investment. It's not. Yeah. I'm not going to spend that time on squat snatches because I'm not going to the games. I don't. I want to be an Olympic lifter. I'll clean and jerk, but I'm not. I don't want to squat snatch because it takes too long for me to warm up to that. Even get to the point where I can lift sort of some sort of technique on it. Yeah. Where I can get a deadlift, ring dip workout done. And, and just to be clear, because it, it maybe sounds a little bit like we're, we're bashing it, but if that's what you enjoy and that's what, you know, if that's what, you know, puts the jam in, the, in your donut and makes you happy, then go, like, absolutely go for it. I would never, you know, you go do Zumba. I don't care. It's whatever makes you happy. But I think, as we were saying right at the beginning, when you actually really kind of conceptualize what is my goal yeah. and is spending 25 minutes of a 30-minute workout getting into position for a decent squat snatch, moving the needle on that goal. And I th- yeah, you know. it's like CrossFit has given me so much over the years. I, I love the sport. I love training. I, I take bits and pieces from everywhere in terms of modality, bodybuilding, um, powerlifting, everything. I love everything about training and what you need to do, whatever's good for you and what fits you and your lifestyle. Um, but what's the constraint for me is the, the time element and what I need in terms of the return on investment and my ultimately, what is my ultimate goal? Yeah. So that brings us nicely actually to your, your practices, the sort of nuts and bolts of your, your daily training. So you mentioned there, you, you have like 30 minutes, 30 minutes kind of free a day to to get your training and get the most return on investment so i know in a sort of my on a micro scale what is a what does a workout look like for you from start to finish it it all depends on a kind of program daily um on how i feel so i won't put a week's worth of training out because if i do a heavy mech on a squat day here then i won't know what i feel like on a wednesday or thursday to kind of do that workout. So what I'll do is kind of have a broad idea across the week of, okay, I want to do upper, lower conditioning piece. I won't program in any specific rest days um, because from week to week, I could feel tired on a Thursday, whereas following week, I wouldn't be tired on a Thursday. So it's very much on a kind of how I feel basis. Right. Okay, just let those rest days kind of fall where they where they make sense. Yeah. It I I know when I want to rest day because I won't know what I want to do. I'll go into the garage and I'll start swinging a kettlebell and I'm like, oh, I don't know, not really feeling it today. Or I'll warm up and I'll unwrap the bar, press it, it's not working. I'll rack it, close the garage doors, and I'm going back out. Um, but it's kind of an upper. At the moment, it changes organically, but it's kind of an upper, lower conditioning piece. And then I'll recycle that kind of process at the moment. I will throw in a heavy carry day in between. Um, but it's a, depending on what kind of where I am in the week, will determine what, what I'm doing. It's, if I'm, I've got some kind of gems of workouts where 
I'm really constrained on time. Stuff like um, basketball party. So basketball party is every minute on the minute, two back squats, and you increase the weight of the, every minute till failure. But what it gives me is that warm-up piece because you start off a light weight. It gives me the volume piece and it gives me the heavy piece. So when you're getting up to that heavy area, I'm doing heavy singles plus because you're lifting heavy every minute gives you that conditioning piece as well. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have the same, we call that a, a rampage or a marathon where you're just putting two and a half kilos on every minute and it works with so many movements as well. Right. And you can work through, like we'll do a similar thing where we'll start with, I know we've just spent all this time bashing Olympic lifts, but we'll start with overhead squats. And once they get too heavy on the minute, drop to front squats. Once they get too heavy, drop to back squats. And like you say, you've got that huge warm up, you're getting a huge amount of volume in, but it's quick, quick, quick. You know, there's potential that you're never going to really find your true max because yeah. you're, you know, the, the rest isn't there, but who really cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, and I'll, that's, that's one of the kind of key, the ones I keep in the back pocket. There's stuff like in my garage, I've got over time, my, my bench press is permanently set up with 100 kilos. So that's in, in my garage, that's my starter bit. So I, and that's, I, and I've got that luxury because I trained for 20, 20, 20 odd years and I've done rep and rep and rep. And I've just accumulated those reps over time. So it's giving me the luxury where I can start at 100 kilos. Um, so another one in my back pocket is 20 rounds of time of five script pull-ups and five bench at 100 kilos. And I, for me, I don't need to warm up for that. Um, I can switch the clock on, press go, and I can just go straight onto the bench. And I'm in and out within tw under 20 minutes. Yeah. And you're still actually getting a huge amount of, you know, there's a hundred, the rep set volume there is a hundred reps for both movements, which is a, it's a huge amount of volume. And I think that that, that sort of cold bar idea that you, is something I think a lot of us tend, and I know tons of people who do similar stuff, but don't like to really talk about it because everyone's an expert. And the, the you know, there's this idea that a, a warm up is just such a, there's so much pressure on people to, but a warm up is such an individual thing, right? And I do, I think the thing that brings this home is the strongman training because if you've only got an 85 kilo bag, you're not working to a heavy sandbag clean, are you? You're just going in cold. You, you're going to do your yeah. other stuff to get moving. And obviously, you've got to be strong enough to actually do it. But then, what is the difference between doing that? And you going in cold on a hundred kilo bar, it's, you know, it's nothing really. And life often doesn't provide you with those. Um, you know, I've done general labor for years and years and years. A, a roof beam is as heavy as a roof beam is an RSJ. You don't get to start on a small RSJ and work your way up until you're, yeah. you know, go in the morning and just going to start with some small bits and build up. If you're in the morning and you're lifting a heavy roof beam, it weighs as much as it weighs. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. that's a really interesting concept. And another thing you, you talked about there, which I think is really refreshing because you are, you have some incredible feats of strength and, and conditioning, like, um, just to, like put this in context, Roddy's not just some guy, right? Roddy is Roddy strong and Roddy is fitter than 99.9%. .9%. What, what's your top yoke weight? Uh, 430 kilos, 430 kilos. And how much do you weigh? 85. Right. So, 
it's like nearly five times body weight, right? It, yeah. it's, it's huge. And you, you're talking about training for 20 to 30 minutes, kind of when you feel it, feel like it. And I, I think that sport mindset and that idea that one thing you said there that I found super refreshing was if you go in and you're not feeling it, you don't do it. Oh, there's, there's many times where I've, I've warmed up, uh, put the clock on, lifted a weight. It's not happening today. Racket, close, gun, done. And that may not happen. That may happen for the next day as well. So I may have two rest days. But again, I'm listening to my body, whether that's mental, mental or physical. Generally, it's physical because mentally I'm kind of always want to train. Um, but there is there's a big um, area where I'm just purely listening to my body, and if it's not happening, it's not happening. And on the flip side, when you go into the gym and a 150 kilo squat feels like it's 60 kilos, and then I just ramp it right up again. Then. Yeah, take advantage <clears> of that. Yeah, it's it. I had a bizarre, really strange when we had a lockdown March time. I had a period of a month where I was peeing everything, and I'm not talking. I'm talking about a yoke. I'm talking about back squats, deadlifts, bench press, rowing, assault bike. It was such a the, the strangest period of my training years that I've ever come across, where I was up day after day after day PBN, and I just couldn't work it out. So what I started to do was kind of make a log of a good days. So I was whenever I had a good day in my diary or my lifting, I jotted down in my diary and I kind of look back to the last couple of days and just write down, okay, sleep was good that day, this is what I ate, this is what I took, all this kind of stuff. And I've kept that log going for since March now, and it's I'm jotting down all my good days just to see if there's any some sort of pattern mm. of what I do leading up to those days to make me have a good lift or feel brilliant on that lifting day. And this kind of I couldn't work it out, but I think bizarrely I started taking vitamin D and vitamin C around the March time. And at the moment, that's the only thing I could think of that made me have a period of a month where I just had a strange lifting, unbelievable experience of these PBs. It's, uh, it's very bizarre. Like if, uh, if that's the only sort of common denominator and just to be clear, you don't, you don't work in a gym or anything like that, do you? So it's not like, it's not like when we went into lockdown, um, your life wasn't, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't hugely changed, right? Because of no. what, what you do for a living. I, I, yeah, I work from home anyway. Mm. Um, I've got a garage gym, so then nothing changed apart from that vitamin D and vitamin C. Yeah. That's, strange. that's, um, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, but it's the principle I'm taking forward now is this kind of this good day log, I'm calling it. Um, and it's going to give me kind of just this feedback of how I can try to recreate those good days going forward. Yeah, that's actually a fantastic idea and a real pearl of wisdom there because I think it's so crazy that we there's people who will kind of track their macronutrients to a T. They've got, you know, percentages on their lifts to like 0.1. Yeah. But then they're leaving everything else up to chance. I know. Which is insane. Uh, and, it, you know, dialing 
the other that's really is the low hanging fruit is like making sure you're you hitting your rda of vitamins making sure you're getting enough sleep and it's it's crazy to me how many people will spend 400 pound on a you know a percussive therapy device a, a theragun or whatever and they're sleeping four hours a night yeah i know you know that you whatever it is they're not they're not taking any time to cool down after a workout or you know yeah. do any breath work or anything like that it's insane i think we all have that shiny thing syndrome don't we and i think what you've touched on there is a fantastic idea just write down what you're doing and elim- yeah. you know eliminate and bring stuff in um and then you can organically make sure you're having all these good days without having to rely on luck essentially a lot of the time um, yeah. yeah so i'm just looking i'm just looking for some sort of pattern of what's been what am i doing those days being built up to this good day i'm thinking of switching it up as well because i want to track my bad days as well mm. and i want to kind of do the same process again what's led up to that bad day um yeah. kind of working so then, backwards yeah yeah, I, really, I really like that and it's just stuff that people don't pay it's not really sometimes until you're even conversing with someone and saying you know you might be saying oh, i don't know what's going on my lifts are going down blah, blah 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 and you have no idea and it's not until you say like well you know i'm stressed at work or i haven't yeah. been sleeping or it's simple i've got a new pillow it's just yeah. stupid things that can have a huge knock-on effect at the time of day you're training that's something i'm i'm all over the place at the moment yeah so something I'm struggling with is like, why did that session feel so rubbish? And I'm not really even paying attention to the fact that I'm doing it later or earlier than I would normally do. And I'm not factoring that in when it's such an obvious thing, really, isn't it? Yeah, you can't, yeah, see yeah. The, can't see the wood for the trees sometimes. Um, one thing I'm really interested in is that, as you say, how long have you been in a kind of garage gym trainee now? 12 years, did you say? Yeah, it's about 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of people now, this is a, a new concept, this idea of, of training from home. And um, I think too many, we're probably on exactly the same page here, that a lot of people think that you need everything right now or it's just not worth doing. How did you begin? Like, what, what's the kind of the story of your garage gym? The story was... Oh, yeah. I just wanted a little bit of equipment so I could train at home. Um, I started off with one 20 kilo kettlebell, um, and that was it. Um, didn't have a great deal of space at the time in the garage, um, so I couldn't I couldn't have space for a barbell, bumpers, or anything. So I started off with one 20 kilo kettlebell. Started snatching, swinging, the usual stuff. And there's a I used to do this workout every Saturday, and it was like my my Coming back, coming from a rugby background, it was my game day on a Saturday using this 20 kilo kettlebell. And there's a video on YouTube called 300 kilo, no, 300, 300 meltdown kettlebell workout. And it's, I think it was originally video around 2008. And it's this guy going through this kettlebell workout of stuff like V-ups, snatches, push-ups, swings, burpees, clean and press, mountain climbers. And every Saturday, I would challenge myself to beat my previous Saturday score time. Um, and that became my, I, almost like my friend, really, at that time, 2008. And 
I was starting to the plan where I was planning the workout. If I got through the burpees unbroken, then I know I'd beat my time and all this kind of stuff. And from that kind of that one kettlebell, I got another kettlebell. Then I cleared the scourge up, and then I got a power rack, and then barbells, and then flooring, then ski erg. I think ski erg was first. Then, and then this adine because you couldn't get assault bikes at that time. Adines. Then I got a the world's worst yoke, I think. Um, then a rower, and then it just expanded and expanded and expanded over time. Was that what the sort of acquisition of, of kit there? Was that stuff that was just out of curiosity? It was just stuff you wanted to add to incorporate? It was, you'd see stuff, for example, like back in the day, Joe DeFranco mm-hmm. in his new gym, and he'd have guys out in the car lot with a prowler. And I'm thinking, and they'd be throwing up and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I, I, I want a prowler. I want to see how bad <laughs> that, that is. So at the time in 2008, 2009, you couldn't get any decent kit for love and money. Yeah. Um, so I think I, for the time I bought it, managed to get my hands on a prowler it was terrible and it just it's that element of looking at people the, the kind of the figureheads at that time um joe franco um, zach evanish all those kind of stuff and seeing the elements that they were using you just wanted to incorporate those into your training and it's just the, it's just the knowledge that you want to gain from using those elements because you just didn't have a chance during that time to get to use them so I had to buy them in because no other gyms had them at the time. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that growing in that way, like kind of using the pieces of kit that you've got to their absolute maximum, getting the most out of them, and then just finding the next thing that was kind of putting the wind in your sails, do you feel that kept your motivation high? Oh, yeah, definitely. The journey is way better than the, the destination. Mm. The process of learning that instrument, um, Failing at that instrument sometimes, um, getting back on the saddle and using it again, think, okay, I mastered that now and move on to another area. And what I was finding was the money that I was saving by not paying a global gym, I can reinvest that back into my garage gym and got my own equipment. Yeah, I think a lot of people miss that. And there's so many other benefits as well, like just, you know, being adjacent to your house, the time you save, but the, the money, you know, literally just put it straight back into kit. Yeah, so, and then it's stuff like, I had an aid line at the time, it was, it was terrible. Um, then you just reinvest for a new assault bike or an AD8 or a new skierg or Concept2. You just reinvest back in your equipment. You can sell your old equipment back on eBay then. Yeah. I think as well, it's so like, I think when you're curious, that curiosity breeds intensity because it's when you want to, it's when you want to try stuff. It's when you're curious about things that you, you want to go all out on it. And I think what can happen in, in Globo gyms or in, you know, any commercial sort of environment where you've got access to everything is you, you're almost sport for choice, aren't you? And you, you don't really use anything to its, its full potential because there's always the next thing to go on to. Whereas like you say, when you only had that 20 kilo kettlebell, you used it to the absolute max. And there, there's an argument that someone in a well-stocked gym may be you know, not working as hard simply because they've got the option not to. Yeah, it's that, that, that 20, I still got that 20 kilo kettlebell. 
that's never going. Um, it's that 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 every Saturday workout that I did with just that one single kettlebell and bodyweight movement just served me well for so long. Um, the return on investment on that single kettlebell was massive. It just and for me it just set me on that journey of okay, I've seen that guy doing that workout on YouTube. I want to see what else I can use. Uh, what I, what can I pull into my armor to use my garage gym? Um, and it's just grown and grown in that area. Do you think that coming because we've got a similar background in this way, coming into the CrossFit world, but not via necessarily just joining a CrossFit box and kind of getting indoctrinated that way, finding your way in through, through Silfit, Mountain Fit. Do you think that has enabled you maybe to have a little bit more, I don't want to say imagination, but a little bit more, a broader scope on investigating other modalities. Whereas if you just join a box, you might, you might even just not, there's anything wrong with this, but still be there and still training in the same way that those coaches prescribed. Do you think kind of coming in via your own entrance has given you kind of put you where you are now in that your workouts are very unique? Yes, definitely. Because I'm not, I don't think I, what I kind of do now is pull pieces from everywhere that that I've used in the past again like Seafield, CrossFit, CrossFit football, um, Strongman, the kind of Louis Simmons powerlifting area. I kind of all want to use all those areas into my training somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think that like you said that that journey of entry that come in not just into CrossFit, they come in through a different avenue as such, where I found CrossFit has given me that I just don't want to stick in one particular area. I want to use them all. Yeah, I think that's probably a huge advantage that people don't see of training from home, of getting that bit of kit, is that you can really indulge your own. It's great. I'm sure there's a there's definitely a space for you know high quality. If you if you don't want to learn for high quality coaching and just going into the box and the programming's on the wall, that's fantastic. But I think having your own space and being able to indulge that curiosity in the long run, I think is like so beneficial. Yeah. But like, I'll do workouts that I think in my garage that you'll never see in a CrossFit box. Um, mm. Because I just like, just like to experiment, for example, I done 50 rounds of one heavy bench press, one shoulder press. And they kind of conflict a little bit because there's so much tricep work involved in that. But I just wanted to try it. I just wanted to see how my body responded. And and one, it's one of those things that I'm going to use and use and use again because I want to experiment of um, stuff like let's do a heavy yoke carry into five heavy back squats. Kind of conflicted a little bit. But what I found from that kind of environment, that workout, is that if I lift a heavy yoke, and I chuck 160 kilos on my back to do back, back squat, after lifting a heavy yoke, that back squat feels like uh, nothing. Yeah, you're just primed. I'm just primed. My body's expecting a 350 kilo yoke, but it's picking up. I'm racking 160 kilos. Yeah. It's like, whoa. So that kind of, that squat, that 160 kilo squat, is almost feels like an air squat. <laughs> and you kind of, you, you know, there's a high chance that you never would have discovered that if you'd been in, you know, you're, you're in a box and they're following Invictus or JST, which are all fantastic, but it's enabled you to indulge your own curiosity and go at your own pace, right? In terms of 
the kit you've acquired and um i think there's a lot to be said for that and that is probably the, the it's probably one of the biggest benefits of there's so many benefits of having a garage gym or just having a bit of kit at home in your garden wherever it may be but the ability to indulge your own curiosity i think is Massive. you can't put a price on it yeah, yeah. You cannot put a price on it it's and i found some strange things out by just by accident of just kind of that curiosity of for example of a farmer's carry that for some for some strange reason I calluses ripped on my forearms uh, hands and I wanted a farmer's carry for that day I was I shouldn't have my, my hand tip torn to bits so I put kind of put tape around my hands to the farmer's carries and as I was warming up with a lighter weight, my grip felt terrible because I had this zinc oxide tape around yeah. my hands and it was ripping and tearing and I couldn't really grip the farmers. So I got up to about, I think about 130 kilos of my hand. I thought, right, these kind of, this tape is coming off my hands now because I can't cope with this slipping anymore. But as soon as I took the tape off and lifted the 130 kilos per hand up, it felt like 80 kilos in, per hand in my my hands because I had better grip with the tape being off. Yeah. So I, so what I do now in my farmer's carries is I'll warm up with tape on my hands at a lighter weight. As soon as it gets heavy, I'll take the tape off. It improves my grip. And I, as soon as I lift it off, it feels like a lighter weight again. I'm starting in a fresh. Yes. It's almost like the same contrast of the yoke into the squats. You're doing something that's a lot more difficult. So, and then when you take that away, you're, you're kind of primed to do, to make the, you know, make the light work, the heavy work feel light as such. Yeah. And you, again, you probably yeah. never would have discovered that, you know, following main site. If, yeah. Yeah. Cause something wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have programmed, I don't know, for example, farmers carries if your hands were torn. And they definitely wouldn't have programmed, you know, reached X percentage and then take the tape off, would they? I mean, that's something you've yeah. got to discover by yourself. And that, that curiosity, that voyage of um, discovery is, you can't, you know, I've, said, I've just said it about three times, but you cannot put a price on it. And that, if there's one thing that I would love to see people indulge in and understand is the enjoyment you can get from doing the stuff that, um, you want to do as opposed to doing the stuff you think you should be doing because you think it aligns with your goals you know you, you've got to find that that sweet spot between look this is my goals this is what I really want to achieve so this is kind of what I need to be doing but this is what I want to be doing and now let's just pick out of that pile and that's when I think your training just is super sustainable then because like yeah, you said you're always mentally ready to go because you love your yeah. training it's 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 that finding out what you want to do that will keep you motivated and it's you know you don't want to go to gym and it's a workout and you know it's 100 burpees and you don't want to do burpees that day if you you're motivated and uh, just do what you want to do to get to the goal that you want to do mm. yeah i think that's really refreshing for people to hear because I think for for all of us, there's times when we walk into the gym and we don't want to do it. And we have this idea in our mind that the difference between us and people who are mega successful and mega strong and mega fit is that they just do it anyway. And that's kind of a cliche, isn't it? And yeah, yeah there are times when you just have to knuckle down and do the work, but all of us feel that. And all of us do the thing where we go, it's not happening today. And I think we've, we've yeah. got this culture where we're led to believe that's not true 
that the people who are super successful, you know, they're turning up and they're doing it every single day, however they feel. And that it's just not true, is it? Yeah. 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 And also, why would you? I'm, I'm too old or too wise to kind of push through a bad section. I'm just going to, I'm going to save it for better, better ones. Yeah. And what, you know, why do, and some things might align with your goals, but they don't necessarily align with what you love doing. And as you say, you're not going to the games. You're not, you're not going to world's strongest man. You're not doing any of this. So why just do the bits of it that you like. And that to a yeah. lot of people that might sound like a cop out, but if that's what keeps you going forever, then why would you yeah. knowingly do something that you don't want to be doing? It's crazy. Yeah. I've got a few quick fire questions here. Hopefully we'll get some uh, sort of tangible and instantly actionable next steps for people. Um, if you can make one book or any piece of media, really YouTube video, you know, whatever uh, compulsory watching or reading for people new to the industry or training or just anybody, what would it be? And for what reason? From a book perspective, quite difficult to just narrow down to one. There's, I think there's stuff like starting strength and practical programming by Mark Ripito. Yep. It's a very good book. There's, Never Let Go by Dan John. Yeah. Really good book. Um, I think for me, there would be, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I've got it upstairs. Um, it's an anatomy book. So it'll, what's it called? I think it's Strength Training Anatomy is called. I've got it written down. Um, and it gives you, breaks it down by per lift, the area target muscle you're hitting within that. So it just gives you a broad understanding of the lifts and what areas they kind of hit in the muscle wise. Um, YouTube wise, I think you just, I like going old school. I like going back to the day, um, looking at some of the stuff that Joe DeFranco uses. Um, if you kind of get your hands on the old CrossFit football workouts, they're brilliant. Um, it's stuff like Volkswagen, Religion, Tillman, um, those kind of workouts. I've done and done and done. I don't know how many times over the years. These are brilliant pieces of workouts. Um, yeah, it's just reading, I think. I think particularly with the, with the, um, the anatomy, it's like such a missed trick. And I, obviously, you know, if you go and train professionally, this is stuff you learn, but even for the average trainee, understanding what is doing what, why, and where, it, it, it's like learning to change your own oil in the car. Yeah. Like you just, that you can save yourself so much hassle of worrying and wondering what you're doing, particularly if you're going to go on this voyage of training at home and or, you know, training in a garage and indulging your curiosity. Once you get to understand anatomy and then from there like particularly you can understand how that's applied to exercises and you can start understanding things like you know antagonistic movements yeah. and reciprocal inhibition and all these things that seem really complicated but they're not it's just like saying look pair up pair of pushing a ball um once you understand that you you start to really under, like programming just gets a lot easier doesn't it and i think the the basis of that is always learning anatomy how it's applied and then starting strength incredible yeah. book and that, I think Dan, um, never let go, Dan, jo I think Dan John was one of the, the first people I was exposed to um, that was doing carries outside of, you know, specific strongman. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, 
there's a quote that he's I, I put on Instagram constantly around oh, I can't remember the word off the top of my head, but it's just basically this I think the idea being is that if he could do one movement for the rest of his life it'd be heavy carries. Yeah, I think it, does he say something like nothing else will increase your athletic capacity? Yeah, like loaded. I think I'm the same as well. I share that sort of every time I've got a good pick of farmers' walks or something. I might get that Dan John quote on that. <laughs> and it's um, there's stuff like on T Nation. There's this ten thousand kettlebell swing workout yep. that put in from 2013. You yeah. know, and it's just like if you've got a single kettlebell in your garage and that's the only equipment you go get on and do it. The the amount of times I've prescribed that the ten thousand swings in a month or three hundred swings a day to people and they do, they almost don't want to buy what you're selling because it's too simple. They want the percentage the percentage based, um, you know, high tech. But you know, just do the do the three hundred swings. Get some chin ups and push ups in there, and do that consistently with good intensity, and you're going to be what you know. You're going to be nine steps ahead of where you are right now worrying about what the best program in the world is right yeah because i think people may look at my training i think it's quite simple but i keep telling people simple is not easy uh, yeah <laughs> and you know i don't use the complex only lifting because i don't want to because of the time strength let's just keep it simple lift leads my goal and i just work through the simple movements yeah and you can be in and out then right yeah if you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or two of your training, what advice would you have for yourself? Um, be patient. Be one. Um, don't be afraid of failure. Embrace it. Um, learn from it. Um, there's many times where I've done a DNF and the biggest times that I've learned from a workout or equipment or a weight is the DNFs, um, it's that failure, embrace it, keep it as a challenge, um, and it's just make it. The, just going back and saying the journey is way better than the, the destination. I, if someone offered me a click of fingers and you could be from, I don't know, a skinny, scrawny guy to a massive guy, and you could flick, click your fingers and you'd be there, I'd turn it down because I all want to learn through that journey of failure, progression, understanding, getting right to that area. Because for me, that process is way better than this process. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's hugely important. There's a sort of a philosophical question I ask people sometimes is if I could give you a pill right now and you, know, you would look exactly how you wanted to look, exactly you know, what you're trying to get out of the gym, but you can never train again in your life. Yeah. Or you can keep training and you may never even get there. What would you do? And I'm probably the same once upon a time, there might've been a time that I would yeah, yeah, you know, give yeah. me a glass of water to wash that down. But now I'm like, well, no, because I've taken so much more from this journey and continue to take so much more from yeah. this journey that who really cares what the end goal is. Exactly. Yeah. What one or two daily or weekly habits or actions possibly unique to you? To you, do you feel contributed most to your success or achievements? There's, there's funny enough, I was in my work the other day and my boss, and we were estimating some work and some time and how long it take, and I said it'd take uh, an hour. And my boss chirped up and he said, that, that's Roddy hours, mate. <laughs> they're not normal hours, they're Roddy hours. And 
what I think he meant is what happens is that I kind of, when I'm in work mode, I focus on work. You know, I don't look at social media or I think about other areas of family. Um, I'm just in work mode, so I can get a lot of things done by just concentrating on one thing at one time. Similar, if I'm with a family after work, that's family time. When I'm with them, I give them all my kind of attention. Same with training. When I'm in training, social media, anything's out of the window. I'm getting that workout done. Give me that time and I'll get it done. It's just that area of focus of the task in hand that you need to attention put all your attention to at that time. And I think it stood me well. And I think that's why my boss has termed up the word Roddy hours, which are not normal hours. Um, I use tools like stuff like, <clears throat> especially around when I want to focus on stuff. Um, I don't know if you've heard of, have you used Brain FM? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I use Brain FM quite a bit in terms of when I got to drill down and work and just gets me well. So just, just, just for anybody who doesn't know, just to explain Brain FM quickly. Brain FM is kind of a service and app you can download from the store. It, um, it kind of interferes or they kind of play music in your ears which are sensitive to your brain. Um, and you can pick um, certain things like focus, relax, sleep, and generally, I don't use the other two, but it's generally focus. So then it just pay, playing some music with interacts with your brain to make you focus more on the task in hand. Yeah, I think that absolutely invaluable for getting deep work done. And I'll just go, I'll just go on YouTube and I'll just write binaural beats yeah. and just listen to different binaural beats or even film scores and stuff. But absolutely invaluable for when you want to get engaged and get yeah. hard work done. Because you know, the minute that comes on, the minute those headphones go in, that's what you're doing, right? It's just the distraction switch off. I think that really, for me, when I look at your workouts, I can see that philosophy sort of personified because even myself, you know, my workouts might have a, a few different sections and in between those sections, you've got a bit of lag time. So there might be like a work to a heavy deadlift, say, and then if I'm training with my brother, we'll have a chat between and then we'll move to the next section and the next section. When I look at your workouts they're generally one piece and yeah. i can see that philosophy of uh, right down to the cold bar right down to that 100 kilos loaded that philosophy of you walk in there you're focused you do those 20 rounds and you get out like yeah. there's no compartmentalization there's no shifting gears it's just full focused on 20 minute amrap of this 20 rounds of that um and i can really see that kind of philosophy in in that training i think a lot of people could benefit from that from that just pull in the pin do this do this one piece and get out yeah that's it and that's that's where i think the term rodeo fits well what was that mate that's where the term rodeo i think fits well yeah because you're just focused on that right and it, it might be roddy 20 minutes when you're in the garage but you probably get more done in that 20 minutes than most people do in an hour if you're looking at the volume and the tonnage, like the total tonnage shifted, because you don't shy away from heavy dumbbells, do you? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively, but given you a huge return on investment, whether that's something that's benefited your training or nutrition, productivity and business, or just sort of contentment? It's, it comes down to, I think, the, the, the kettlebell that set me on the journey. Mm. Um, there's 
like it's the yoke I think for me is the king of the lifts um, it if like I said previously if I could do one lift again for the rest of my life it'd be that yoke um, it's again I think obviously we, we say we come from similar backgrounds and I think we can both appreciate how brutal a yoke can be um, you just don't need to carry it you can lift it deadlift it you can overhead press it you can bench press it you know, it's just a brilliant piece of equipment that I would recommend someone getting. Um, and then it can, if you get the right one, double up as a squat rack. Yeah. yeah they're just the absolute battle stations, aren't they, Yokes? Like, yeah. it, it, so I think because it's kind of seen as a niche, you know, it's, a, it's for strongman training, right? That's how people yeah. see it. They miss the point that you've got a collapsible squat rack. Yeah. Not only a collapsible squat rack, but one that you can just walk out of your garage and train outside if you like. Well, yeah. you don't get that with a power rack, do you? Yeah, um, yeah like you say, you can, you can press it, you can bench press it, you can zerch a squat it, you can use it as a sled if if need be. Yeah. Like a, a yoke really is, you can do pull-ups in it. Whatever your training sort of style is, it's something for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, we've got Rob programmed a workout called the yoke total on strongman what um where we do three yoke lifts um the overhead yoke carry zerka carry and the traditional yoke carry and you do it for max weight and it needs to be unbroken for 50 foot and you just work to a heavy for each of those yeah i'm, I'm, I'm writing that down for later <laughs> it's yeah we um, it's a brilliant workout my last question was going to be you can only perform one exercise or movement for the rest of your life. What would it be and why? But I've got a um, sneaking suspicion. I know what that's going to be now. Yeah, yeah definitely the yoke. Definitely the yoke. Would you, would you kind of lawyer that question and do squats, presses, etc., with the yoke? If there was only one movement you could do, be that with the yoke or not, what do you, what do you think gives you the most bang for buck? I go deadlift. 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 Heavy or just all a mixed bag? Mixed bag. Mixed bag, yeah. I would tend to leave, lean to the heavy um, because I like lifting heavy. Um, torn between that and the squat, but I think I go with deadlift. I think deadlift. Potentially more carryover, right? Yeah. Like, quite literally, you're, you're picking something up off the ground. It's the most common movement that you're likely to come across right yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah i'm always a bit torn on this question i'll go back and forward if to pick something that ultimately is going to serve you well in your life or pick something that you're going to enjoy doing in training it's a good thing that it's not it's not a real that it's just a hypothetical because i would hate to have to just do uh, yeah. because of that curiosity again right i'd hate to, have to exactly. yeah. you wouldn't want to just do one style of training you wouldn't really want to just do one movement would you no fantastic well ronnie thanks a lot for your time today mate that's hugely appreciated um where can people find you online generally um our instagram at ronnie davis um yeah i'm sat on there mostly um previously i've done programming for strongman ward which i'm doing for rob at the moment for hybrid um but that's paid service so but what you find is my i'll put my daily programming where i do on Instagram. Um, so yeah, mainly on there. Yep. And you, is it, um, is it a hybrid athletics where people can find the paid for program? Is that hybridathletics.com? 
It's hybrid wads, I think, on Instagram. Hybrid wads. Uh, Rob's account. So, yeah, so I've been programming. So there's two programming elements on there. Rob does it for the hybrid gym and I do it for the strongman. Um, so, yeah, there's daily workouts pushed on there as well. And that is, I would say to anyone, that's a fantastic place to start if you want to incorporate, you know, more of this into your training and failing that, just, just follow Roddy and just, you know, start screen grabbing those, those workouts as people do. And they, they get shared all over because they are really the most fun you can have without having fun. Roddy, thanks a lot, mate. This has been fantastic. Cheers, mate. Goodbye. Thanks, man.